Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. We pick up in the narrative where Daniel and his three friends, the ones we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names, are deported to Babylon. And we're told in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 1, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So these young men have been taken back to Babylon. Now we know that when Nebuchadnezzar came the first time to Jerusalem, he took back the best and the brightest. So if you look at Jewish culture, he took the best artisans, he took the best thinkers, the best wise men, uh, the best in political thought. He took the best back with him to Babylon to be a part of his indoctrination pro- program. So what he would do, and, the, and it was really a masterful way of bringing a nation under his yoke. You brain drain that country, you take the best away from that country, then you indoctrinate the best of that country into the ways of thinking of Babylon, and in a sense, you have intellectually conquered that nation. You've taken their religious fervor away from them. You've taken their cultural history away from them. And that's what what Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do here with these young boys. Now, I want to just help you see some of the, the major themes here that are going on in Daniel 1. That Sometimes we can miss this, but it's actually connected with other parts of the Bible. In verse 2 of Daniel chapter 1, and it says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. That would be uh, the sacred uh, elements that were used in the temple of Solomon. So those were being taken too. The, the temple's been desecrated. And he brought them to the land of Shinar. And where have you heard the land of Shinar before? Think of Genesis chapter 11, right? On the plains of Shinar. That is where the Tower of Babel was built. Now, I find that fascinating because we think that the temple vessels are going to the land of Shinar. This is a real significant way to refer to Babylon and to connect it with Babel. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for Babylon is Babel. So think about what's being told to us here. Remember, Babel was the original place in Genesis 11 where the rebels, the people that rebelled against God, built a a, a type of um, tower to heaven. Really, it was a mountain to get their way up to, to God, to kind of go back to Eden but do it their own way. And God confused their language. So you have this adulterous pagan people back in Genesis 11 that want to make their own name instead of submit themselves to the will of God. And that word Babel is actually Babylon. It's the same same word in Hebrew. And we have this covenant curse back in Deuteronomy 28. The Jews were told a long time ago when they took the land of promise that if they did not remain faithful to God's covenant, something horrible would happen. In Deuteronomy 28, Yahweh threatens to bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand. So you see the connection there. The Babylonians, a language the Jews don't understand, the connection, the confusion of language. They're going to come and swoop down and deport uh, and, and destroy the nation of Israel. So this has been prophesied. So there's this little connection in verse 2 I just want to share with you today. I saw that in my studies and I thought you might find it interesting, the connection to Babel there. Babel and Babylon. Think of the same people, the same group here, the same idea. So the Bible's being tied together there, Genesis 11. 
with Daniel 1. But let's skip down to our reading, and let me just read through it. I want you to think what's happened already. If you remember, they have been put into this king's reprogramming uh, system where they're going to be educated as Babylonians for three years. They're going to be taught all the ways of the Babylonians. I'm sure that would include their religion and their, their language, how they saw the world, their worldview, and what we cannot forget. And this is so important. The worldview of a culture is developed by its religion. How a culture is built is based upon their religion. Religion builds culture. So if you have a, a good culture, that means you had a very healthy religious background. When you have um, godlessness and paganism, it develops a pagan culture. So they are being educated in a pagan culture. So remember, they've had this eating program where the food was feeding them, or the, the king was feeding them the best from his table that would include meat and, and other fine foods. But these four youths from Jerusalem reject the king's food. They decide, we'll just eat vegetables. And so they go on this 10-day program, and I think what they're doing here is showing that they do not have to depend on the king of Babylon. They're not dependent upon on him, uh, but they are dependent upon their God. They're dependent upon Yahweh. He will see them through, and after 10 days, they look better than the kids that have been eating the good food. So God sees them through, and this is miraculous. So the key there is 10 days, and you're going to see that, that number 10 come back again in our reading. Let's look at verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in, the, in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first reign of King Cyrus. Now, so think about what's happened. They've gone through three years of training uh, according to the Babylonians. They've been trained in their ways. Imagine the strong faith these kids had. Now, just think for just a minute. These are real human beings, probably teenage boys that have been brought into Babylon. So they probably had a pretty strong grounding in their belief system, the God of Israel, because they went from a culture that was saturated with the belief in Yahweh and the God of Israel into a, a culture that was hostile to that belief. And somehow throughout this book, they will remain faithful. I can't help but think of preparing kids to go off to college. Right? I mean, that's not a perfect analogy for us, but it's similar. Let's just say if your kid's going to a very secular university, I'll never forget the first time I stepped on the campus of a large secular university, even in the heart of Alabama, I was shocked by the things I learned and the things I heard and the things I saw. And to be honest, I was not prepared for it. Um, these guys stand strong. Something about their upbringing uh, keeps them in their faith. And so I think there's something to be learned about raising kids uh, faithfully, preparing them for the challenges that are coming, getting them ready. Uh, some people talk about, you know, don't shelter your kids too much. I kind of look at it this way. You shelter them from the evil to train them, to strengthen them so they can go out and make a difference in the world. Let me give you an, an example of how that would work. You know, you could take a match and you could take it into a gale force wind and that match is going to be blown out really fast. Maybe you tried to light something outside with the, with the wind and how hard it is. You have to cut the match to, 
to keep the flame going. So in some ways, you want to protect that flame of faith. And why are you protecting that flame of faith when they're young and you're trying to help them develop their faith? You're not protecting that flame of faith so it can be a match-sized faith. But you want to build a faith that's like a bonfire, a raging bonfire, so that when you put it out in the wind, it just makes it larger instead of snuffing it out. And so that's how you kind of look at training your kids. You're sheltering them at times from things they're not prepared for. So you can build their faith stronger and stronger. Then you can put them out into the world and let them take on these challenges. I think sometimes parents make big mistakes of exposing their kids to things way too early. And they're not ready. And it does the opposite. It actually snuffs out their faith instead of developing their faith. So in this sense, you've got these young boys that their parents have done something wrong. We don't know anything about their parents, but something went right with these kids. They are ready for this challenge. And what's really neat is they are 10 times better than all their peers. Now think about it. It's not just the other Babylonian kids that are going through the training with them that they're better than. They're better than the seers and the adults that have been around for a while. So these guys prove to be worthy. They're up to the task. Now here's another thing I want us to think about. We talk about cultural engagement. We've got, we've got opportunities here as Americans right now at this time. We can withdraw as adults and kind of form our own like little ghettos and enclaves of, of Christianity, or we can engage fully. And I think with Daniel and these three boys, we see an example of, yes, have a strong faith. Yes, prepare your kids to go out into the world. But we're preparing them not for a convent. We're preparing them to challenge the culture and bring blessing to the culture. You see, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not jerks. Uh, the king lo loved them. Remember when Daniel was put in the lion's den, the king was remorseful for it. So you have this long faithfulness of Daniel. Think about how long Daniel lived in Babylon. We know that he was taken into to exile in 605 uh, in Jehoiakim's reign. And he remains there until the first year of King Cyrus. We know that's around 539 B.C. So he's probably an 80-year-old by the time Cyrus comes around. He is faithful all that time. So there's all kinds of things we can learn from this, from this passage where it comes to training your children and getting them prepared to take on a very difficult world. It can be done. The world can become cold to our faith, but we can transform culture through the love of Jesus Christ by engaging culture. But engaging culture without compromising our faith but at the same time, being winsome in our faith. Yes, take a stand, just like Daniel did at times. He said, I'm not going to bow down to that idol. I'm not going to do such and such things. I'm not going to be totally dependent upon the king for my sustenance. I'm going to trust in God. But he does so to bring a blessing to the Babylonians. Now, if we think America is bad, we need to kind of check that attitude and look at Babylon. It was much worse than what we could ever imagine. A completely pagan culture. We may live intelligence and thinking clearly and logically. We are living in illogical, silly times. There's nothing like Babylon. And I'm really afraid what I'm hearing right now from a lot of people is this withdrawal from culture, like this defeatism. When we read the book of Daniel, you don't see that anywhere in this book. There's not a withdrawal. There's not a defeatism. There's an engagement. But it needs to be an engagement that is built on strong faith. An engagement that's built on a confidence and a certitude about our belief in Jesus Christ. But also, a cultural engagement is there to work for the good of the culture. So we got to work through that. It's not easy, 
to work through that. It's a lot easier to be combative. It's a lot easier to just to say, you know, just let it all, you know, go to pot. You know, it's like the sinking Titanic. Why, why would we polish the deck rails on the Titanic? We could think like that. But the more difficult task is cultural engagement with a long game in view. Where we're going to bring leaven and salt and good things to this culture. Well, I hope I didn't diverge too much on this podcast. I kind of felt like those things were, were things that need to be addressed in our current time. And, and Daniel definitely encourages us to do that in this book. I hope this study through Daniel is timely for you right now with the, the time we're living in, right? I can't help but think about when David and Saul were reigning as co-kings, so to speak. David had already been anointed and Saul was still king. And it said that the men of Israel discerned the times. I think we've got to discern the times a little bit and be smart and prudent and sharp about how we do things. Well, I hope you have a great day. Uh, I've talked too much already, but I hope you join us back tomorrow for Devin's podcast. It's going to be good. These readings are going to be great going forward. God bless. <music>